You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Good morning. Uh, my message this morning starting over the God of the nth chances. Now nth chances, the reason that's important to me is because I began my educational career after high school as a physics major. Mathematics, I like math. I'm one of those weird people who really like mathematics. And when they talk about the nth degree, what we're talking about is a number that is very, very large. So God gives us many, many chances to start over. He is a God of great grace and mercy. Now, in our world of electronics, it seems like we also get endless opportunities to restart things. Have you ever had your computer lock up and you have to power it down, reboot, start over? Um, if you're a video game player, uh, you're about to get killed, Boop. start over. Okay, right? Uh, we have uh, multiple opportunities to do that. In our workplace, in our school, if we, we don't like the content of an email, we can hit the backspace and start over. Or we can just delete it and start over. This is so different from when I first went to college because I used to have to use whiteout and hand in papers that look like cuneiform tablets, you know, clay tablets with a stick, because you couldn't start over in the middle of the page. You'd have to retype the whole thing, and I'd make more mistakes. Uh, so we, we have opportunity to start over. At the end of John's Gospel, we find Peter in a private conversation with Jesus. This is the third time that Jesus has appeared to the disciples. The first time he appeared to them right after the resurrection, and Thomas wasn't there. And so Jesus shows up there. The second time, he walks through the wall kind of thing and shows up, and Thomas is there, and Thomas makes his confession. Now, when we see this third time, Jesus is on the shore, the disciples are in the fishing boat, and they're fishing. And as they're doing this, as Peter's having this conversation with Jesus, I want you to notice, we find that our gracious and merciful saviors it's not focused on Peter's failure. Remember, it's just a couple weeks since he denied Christ three times. But he's focused on his relationship with him and his mission, the mission that God had called him to, to fulfill. He is focused on getting Peter back on track, just like Jesus is focused on us when we fall to get us back on track. In the new year, we often think of starting over, starting something new. Um, you know, we this is when... Health clubs sell numerous memberships that last two months. This is when we make New Year's resolutions that we break the second day. I'm not going to eat any donuts this year. I had one this morning. Whatever it is. And so as we look at going and starting over here, I want you to listen to this bumper sticker. I've got a longer bumper sticker, and I kind of Dr. Seussed it, so I apologize for that. But it's, when we fall, we can't retreat. Jesus wants us back on our feet, okay? So when we fall, we can't retreat. Jesus wants us back on our feet. Now, a supplemental bumper sticker here, a catchphrase for you, God's grace is greater than the sum of all of our failures. So all of us could fail today, and God's grace is greater than that. 
You could take all the failures of my entire life, and I have many. I turned 59 yesterday, so I had lots of opportunities to fail, and I have used them. And uh, God's grace is still greater than all of those opportunities that I've taken. So what do I mean? When I look at all the times that we have failed Jesus, everyone in the entire world whose grace is still greater than that, he settled that part on the cross. All of the sin that we've committed and will commit, Jesus took care of on the cross. We don't have to focus on our failures. Let's look at Peter and Jesus' interaction after the resurrection. Again, this is a time when Jesus is restoring Peter. He's commissioning him. And I have a new Bible, and uh, it's hard for me to read up here. So I'm going to read from the printed-out version that I have. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up. We're going to be in John chapter 21, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 17. And here's what it says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? (laughs) That's pretty funny, actually. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took some bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now to put this passage in context, I want to share with you a little bit of the history of Peter because Peter has a history of great things and great failures with Jesus. So here's some of the history. His given name was Simon. Jesus called him Peter, which is rock. He is one of the first disciples. Peter and Andrew were the first two disciples that Jesus called with a very similar fishing thing. Peter had been out fishing, couldn't catch any fish, and Jesus said, try throwing your net on the other side, and they they humored him and did it. When they came in, they decided that he was the, the, uh, the one they should follow. He is listed as the first disciple in Matthew 10 too, recognized as a leader of them. He was a disciple who walked on water. He was the one who confessed that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus said after his confession that Jesus would use Peter to help found his church, a gathering of all people. 
I want you to know that's all uh, all believers, not a building or a denomination. When Jesus began talking about his death, it is Peter that pulls him aside and rebukes him and says, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's the same Peter. And that happens only five verses after Jesus declares him as Messiah. Peter was in Jesus' inner circle with James and John and was present at his transfiguration on the mountain when Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus and Jesus was uh, glowing brightly in a glorified manner. Peter is the one who refused to let Jesus wash his feet and when Jesus said, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me and Peter says, don't just wash my feet, give me a bath. Okay. Uh, it was Peter who said, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will, in Matthew 26, 33. And then again in verse 35, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. It was Peter who had the sword and cut off the high priest's servant's right ear in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was Peter who disowned Jesus three times on the night he was betrayed just as Jesus had prophesied. So this is the context. This is the Peter that we meet in this, in this passage. And as you can see, Peter has a series of successes and failures with Jesus. And now he's having this conversation with Jesus. So in this conversation, Jesus shows that more than anything, he wants Peter not to quit, but to start moving forward again in his relationship with Jesus and with the ministry that Jesus has called him to. So Peter is our example for starting over. And to start over, Jesus wants us to run back to him every time we fall. Jesus wants us to express our love for him over and over again. Jesus wants us to press on in the mission Jesus has given us. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to John, starting in verse 4. And it starts with the guys in the boat. So I want you to picture this. Jesus is on the shore. The guys are out in the boat. Peter and the others didn't know what to do with themselves, so they went back to doing what they used to do. And this was not where Jesus wanted them. He did not want them back in their old life. He wanted them in the life that he had called them for. And so Jesus, at least my understanding, my belief is this. Jesus caused them to not catch any fish until he said, do this. Throw, my, throw the net on the other side. They were having a terrible time of fishing. They weren't supposed to be fishing for fish. They were supposed to be fishing for men. Then Jesus calls out to them, throw the net. And then John, and the disciple Jesus loved. That's the way John describes himself. I think that's kind of funny because Jesus loved them all. But John says, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, but So he says, it's the Lord. And as soon as he does that, they had to have been working up a sweat because Peter's outer garment was off. And he wraps it around his waist. He wasn't, I don't know why he didn't trust the guys in the boat or what, that he couldn't leave it in the boat. But he jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. And, and he gets to shore and Jesus is there. Peter wanted to get back to Jesus just as fast as he could. He could not wait for them to drag the fish in. And that's what they did. They're, they're trying to drag the large catch of fish in with the boat. And Peter's on the shore with Jesus. He left the fish behind. 
to get to Jesus. A hundred yards offshore, so, or if you're a swimmer, that's not very far, but with a lot of clothes on, that's a long distance to swim, and he still beat the boat in. So, uh, uh, strong guy. And we can see here, uh, this illustrates the action that God wants us to do, take. He wants us to run back to him every time we fall. And he doesn't want us to wait when we do that. When we sin, we should be turning around and running back to Jesus and confessing as fast as we can. Peter was not afraid to be with Jesus, even though he had just failed him terribly. Why did he do that? Because Jesus understood how much Jesus loved Peter. Or, I mean, Peter understood how much Jesus loved Peter. And he also loved Jesus so much that he wanted to be with him. If we sin, we need to immediately confess, repent, run back to Jesus. If we don't, we're going to live defeated lives. We're going to be in the boat catching nothing, wasting our time. Peter was not catching any of the fish in the boat. That was old life. Jesus called him to be a fisher of men. The boat was a place of defeat for Peter. He needed to be someplace else. In Matthew 18, 21, uh, 22, we have another conversation with Peter had with Jesus. And this is why Peter knew he could come back to Jesus. Peter asked Jesus, then, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, that's pretty generous, seven times. Jesus says, no, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. The idea is that an endless number of times we should forgive our brother when, we sin, when he sins against us. Why would we or Peter expect Jesus to forgive any less? And so Peter understood that he could come back to Jesus because Jesus would forgive him. We can run back to him because we know that he will lovingly accept us no matter how often or how far we have fallen. When you read the parable of the prodigal son, what do we read? We read of a son who dismisses his father, takes his dad's money, and goes and wastes it on prostitutes and all sorts of parties. And, and when he comes back home, his father receives him lovingly as a son. And that's the way that Jesus receives us. Now, I want to point out, this is not a license then to go out and sin as often as you want because we know that Jesus will uh, re- return to it, will let us come back. That is not what Scripture wants us to do. And if we really love Jesus, we don't want to keep hurting him like that. So we shouldn't do that. And when we think about the starting over, this running back, if I want to put it in theological terms, this is confession and repentance. Repentance, is a Greek word is metanoia. It's a to change of mind. It's to turn around and go the other direction. We're asked to confess the sin that we've committed and ask God to help us to turn around and start walking with him rather than away from him. Run back to Jesus. Now when we go into our passage again back in verse 10, we find that Jesus is already cooking breakfast. Somehow he has some fish and some bread already there. And he says to the disciples to bring all the, the, some of the fish they caught. And there's 153 fish. You know, there's 12 disciples. That's a lot of fish for, for these guys. Peter, in his great strength, drags that 153 fish on board. So if it's only four-pound fish, you're talking 600 pounds of fish that Peter has dragged up on shore. They will have plenty to eat. 
But it sounds like a quiet meal because in the passage it says that they all knew it was Jesus, but they were afraid to ask him, you know, you're the Jesus? Is this a figment of our imagination? And after the meal, Jesus calls out Peter specifically, but he doesn't call him Peter. He doesn't call him the rock. He calls him Simon, son of John. Now, I did some research on the name Simon, and it comes from a a Hebrew word, Shema. And the Shema is found in in Deuteronomy 6.4, and that's hear or listen and obey. So when Jesus is talking to Peter and he's asking these three questions, every time he's saying, Simon, son of John, listen, son of John. It was not uncommon in Scripture to find play on words or for Jesus to use a play on words. So I believe that that would be consistent with what Jesus is trying to say to Simon. Listen and obey. Hear me. Jesus wants Peter's full attention at this point in time. He's going to ask three questions. He's going to give three commands. The questions and the commands are all similar. Again, take note that Jesus never reminds Peter of his failure. He isn't demanding any penance. He's not saying go run around the lake three times and then come back and we'll, we'll work this out. No, he, he's, he's focused on restoring this relationship. He's focused on getting Peter back on track, doing what he was supposed to be doing. He wants Peter to be the rock that he has called him to be. So as Jesus asks these questions, we find our second point. Jesus wants us to express our love for him over and over again. The first question in verse 15, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Why did Jesus ask this question? Why is he asking Peter to compare himself to others? It's because Peter has an ego problem. Peter has always compared himself to the others. Even if all these others fail you, Jesus, I'll be here till you die, till I die. He says that the night before, or the, the night before Jesus was, or the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus is using Peter's failure to make him usable. He needs to have a broken and contrite spirit. In Psalm 51, David expresses the same type of emotion and sentiment. It is his confession before God after he has sinned with Bathsheba. If you want to go back and read about that, David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed. And in Psalm 51, 17, David writes, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Now, Peter shows the humility that he's found through his experience in his answer. He says, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He doesn't say anything about the others. He's talking only about himself. He doesn't try to compare his love to the others. In the past, he might have the bragging Peter, the I am better than these Peter, is gone. But the bold strong, humble Peter remains. 
one that God can use. Now Jesus commands him after that, follow my lamb. Then Jesus asks a second question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answers again in the affirmative, affirmative and again calls Jesus as Lord. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. In his newfound humility, Peter is telling Jesus not only that he loves him, but he knows that he is Lord, that he is his master, that Peter is his servant, and he will obey. Jesus gives a slightly different command. He says, take care of my sheep. And then the third question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three questions, three times that Jesus asked him if he loved him. Three times Peter denied Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. In the Bible, we see something repeated three times. For example, when you see holy, 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 it's an expression of the ultimate or the superlative. So if you have holy one time, it means holy. If you have holy two times, it means holier. If you have holy three times, it's holiest. So before the throne, when the, when the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, they're saying holiest is the Lord. Three denials, a complete denial. Three expressions of love a statement of the fullest, the fullest statement of love one can give. Peter is hurt by the question and he answers, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Peter expands on his answer. I believe it carries his acknowledgement that Jesus knows him better than he knows himself. He is, his answer is humble. It doesn't have any pretense in it. It's from his heart and he knows that Jesus knows his heart. And then Jesus gives Peter the third command, feed my sheep. Jesus asked Peter to express his love for him over and over again. When we talk about expression of love in theological terms, I want to call it worship. Jesus is calling Peter to worship. And Peter shows us three characteristics of worship that are so important. One, we need to worship with humble hearts recognizing who we are and who Jesus is. Second, we need to recognize the lordship of Jesus in our worship. We need to understand that he is the one who is in control. He is the master. He can ask anything of us, and we should be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will do that. And we need to worship with open, truthful hearts. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. My heart is open. I'm not going to try to hide from you anything. I'm not going to cover anything up. We need to open with worship with open hearts like that. In, in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman of the well, she says that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. That's that open heart pouring out ourselves to Jesus. We need to express our love for Jesus over and over again in worship, a heart that is worshiping finds it hard to sin. It's really hard to sin when you're worshiping Jesus. Not impossible, it can be done, but it's hard to sin when we're worshiping Jesus, when our heart is focused on him and not on ourselves. And this takes us back to the commands in our third point. The third point is this. Jesus wants us to press on in the mission that he has given us. As we saw in the introduction and elsewhere in this message, Peter was called to build the church. 
Peter was called to be a fisher of men. Peter was called to lead people to Jesus and help them grow in their faith. Peter was called to be a pastor. That was the role that God had called him to be in. In the passage, Jesus had three commands to Peter. The first one, feed my lambs. Peter was to help new believers, lambs, grow into mature believers by helping them understand the word of God. Jesus knows that if they grow in their knowledge of his truth, they will not easily be led astray. The second command he gives them is take care of my sheep. Peter was called to protect the flock that Jesus had given him, the sheep. Protect them from false teaching, to protect them from those who would try to deceive them or those who would want to take them away from Jesus. The third command, feed my sheep. Peter was to continue helping these sheep grow by teaching them, equipping them for their own ministries, protecting and nurturing them for as long as, as he was allowed. Now, Jesus did not need to tell Peter that he had failed. He knew it. We know when we fail as well. Peter needed to hear that Jesus still wanted him to lead and to press on. Satan wants us to give up when we sin. He wants us to quit. Jesus wants us to run back. Satan wants us to not worship. Satan wants us to be focused on ourselves. Satan wants us to not press on. He wants us to stop because he knows if we press on, we're going to damage Satan's kingdom. If I were to put this final theological term in theological language, I would use the word submission. But I would use the word submission with the understanding that we are to submit to the commands of our Lord to serve others. Every single one of these commands are focused on serving the church, the people of the church, the people of our world. Jesus is calling Peter and us to love him by serving and loving others. That is our call. Starting over is often, often is picking up where we left off. It's getting back to fulfilling our purpose. So here's some practical things you can do to start over. I don't know where anybody is in, in this church at this point in time in their walk with Jesus, but here's what we need to do. One, we need to confess our sins and ask God to help us repent. And we need to do that immediately after every time we sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our unrighteousness. It doesn't say anything about how many times we can do that. Two, we need to set some goals that will help us grow in our relationship with Jesus that will make it easier for us to run back to him and express our love for him. So simple goals that are attainable, short-term are best. When you try to set year-long goals, never reach them because you don't start them until the 11th month if you start them at all. We set short goals and we can reach them. So here's some very short-term goals that you can do to help yourself grow in your relationship with Jesus. We have our Bible memory verse program. They're going to restart it next week. What if just to take four weeks and I'm going to try to memorize that verse for the next four weeks? Simple, short, attainable, but as we memorize God's word, it gets in our heart. It will help us to understand who Jesus is, the promises that he has for us. It will be much more difficult for Satan to lead us astray. How about attending one of our small groups for four weeks? Not asking for a lifetime, for four weeks. Or maybe four times in the next two months. Start a version Bible reading plan. Now, I do a couple plans right now. I just started, restarted a Bible in a year because I finished my Bible in a year uh, the day before yesterday. Uh, and so I've restarted a Bible in a year. Maybe that's too much for you. 
They have new version plans that are five, six, seven days long. Try to find something to do that. The more we know Jesus, the closer we will want to walk with him. We need to find time to express our love to God and worship him. Again, set simple, attainable goals. Maybe for the next two weeks, you'll just commit, as soon as I get up, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Jesus, I love you. Simple thing. But you know what? You do it for two weeks, it becomes a habit. It takes two weeks to create a habit. We can do that. Simple thing. We might set aside five minutes to talk to God. Pray using the acronym ACTS. Adoration, expressing our love for God for who he is. Confession, confessing any sin or asking him to examine our heart. Thanksgiving, thanking God for all he has done and provided us. Supplication, asking God to meet our needs and the needs of people we know. The hardest one thing that we need to do is we need to find our purpose and begin using our gifts to serve him and his people. We need to find a way to serve Jesus, to love people and love Jesus by serving his people. Uh, the only way we can do this is we need to ask God, what is it that you want me to do? I cannot tell you what it is that you're supposed to do. And then try doing it. Sometimes it means that we need to ask someone to help us, to train us, to mentor us. Now, while this may be the hardest thing, oftentimes it's the most rewarding thing. Because we find a great joy when Jesus begins to show us he can actually use us. That, that, that guy who's failed so many times in his 59 years, God can still use. Let's start this year over. Let's run back to Jesus. Let's express our love for him over and over again. Let's press on in our mission to make disciples of all nations. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can gather here today. Lord, that you do not give up on us even when we give up on ourselves. I pray that you give us the strength to run back to you. Lord, that we would worship you with all of our heart. And Lord, that we would press on in the mission that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.